When you saw what the content of these filings, how did you feel? What was your reaction? I wish that my brain could process like 400 pages simultaneously, but it was, it was a treasure trove of material. That's Jeremy Barr, a media reporter at The Post. And the treasure trove he's talking about are these shocking private communications from Fox News, including text messages and emails from executives. And together, these documents, they've given Jeremy a rare view into Fox at a fraught moment. You see, these documents are being unearthed in a $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit against Fox, filed by voting technology company Dominion Voting Systems. This all dates back to the 2020 election, when Fox aired false election fraud claims, including that Dominion's machines may have thrown the election to Biden. It is the most ludicrous, irresponsible, and rancid uh, system uh, imaginable in the world's only superpower. Maybe that was always the plan, to do these, this very, very questionable form of voting. Dominion says Fox aired the claims to boost ratings. Fox says it was just broadcasting newsworthy allegations. I think this is one of the most revealing court cases in the history of cable news, maybe in the history of media. I think this will be this case will be looked at for a long time because of what it says about the kind of responsibility of people who work at a media company and because of what it says about the real-world impact of what is said on television. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Tuesday, February 28th. Today, Jeremy and I dig into what Rupert Murdoch and other Fox News executives felt about election fraud claims airing on their network and how they were agonizing about losing viewers after Trump lost. So Jeremy... Let's take a step back and figure out how we got to this point. What is the background for this case? Where does this lawsuit originate from? So after the election on November 3rd, 2020, very quickly you started having these lawyers who were associated with Donald Trump. So really Giuliani was the most prominent one, but Sidney Powell as well started appearing on Fox very regularly in her role as kind of a Trump associate um, and as somebody who was basically claiming to be out in the field, gathering evidence that the election was stolen. Fox viewed her as a credible newsmaker because of her closeness to Trump. I know that there were voting irregularities. Tell me about that. That's to put it mildly. The computer glitches could not and should not have happened in at, at all. Those, that is where the fraud took place, where they were flipping votes in the computer system or adding votes that did not exist. We need an audit of all of the computer systems that uh, played any role in this fraud whatsoever. In their appearances on Fox shows, it was often Lou Dobbs' show, Maria Bartiromo's show, John Hannity's show, Janine Pirro's show. They were offering conspiracy theories about Dominion voting machines. Dominion is a very prominent election technology company. And basically, these Trump-affiliated lawyers were alleging that Dominion machines were designed and programmed to flip votes to um, Joe Biden, Mm. arguing that Biden didn't actually win because the Dominion machines took votes for Trump and put them to Biden. That's the reason why Biden won. 
Um, and essentially, they were given a platform on Fox shows to make these claims. But essentially, Dominion felt very quickly that Fox was allowing these guests to say things yeah, about the company that this were is what was true. being said on air. Did Dominion do anything at the time to try and correct the record? So Dominion sort of had this all-out campaign quietly at first, but they sent a lot of emails to people at Fox and sent these sort of um, statements of fact about the company, letting them know that what people were saying on the network was not true. They had um, higher-up sort of publicists working for Dominion who reached out to people at Fox. So Dominion claims that from the very beginning they were lobbying Fox heavily to cut back on these claims. Fox claims that Dominion always wanted to sue Fox and that mm -hmm. they wanted headlines and so that there's a disagreement about whether Dominion wanted to resolve this matter without going to the courts. I see. And I think it's worth also just stepping back and noting that it it is pretty consequential that a network like Fox was airing these claims at that time, especially right after the election. They are a very powerful network, no? Fox is the most important network in conservative media. It's arguably one of the most important impacts on GOP politics. It has a massive platform. There's no question that Fox's choice to put these guests on air, that it sort of floated down to Trump supporters. And Dominion has made the argument that Fox, by Fox allowing these guests to call into question the veracity of the election, that they sort of set the stage for January 6th mm. um, and, and allowed this sort of, this, this to bubble up. Trump was also saying these things, but Dominion has pointed to this sort of feedback loop between Trump and Fox, that Trump would get some of his allegations from Fox and Fox would get some from Trump and that it went back and forth, they cross-pollinated, but that eventually it led to this mass amount of Trump supporters who believe the election was stolen, who watched Fox. So Dominion eventually filed a defamation lawsuit, $1.6 billion against Fox. What does Dominion allege that Fox did and what has... What is Fox's response to those allegations? Dominion alleged that Fox allowed people to say things about the company that were not true, to accuse it of essentially being a fraudulent company that was shaving votes from Donald Trump and giving them to Joe Biden. And essentially the machines were fraudulent and that it was designed to be fraudulent. There was even an allegation that Dominion had gotten kickbacks from politicians for using the company's software and Fox has argued all along that it did not endorse the claims that were made by people like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, that essentially they had guests on to talk about some of the allegations being made by Trump. These were guests they said were associated with the president. And so because they had some sort of um, relationship with the president, that that gave them a sort of newsworthy defense. That, so they had people on to, to, to make newsworthy allegations mm. and to discuss them. And that sort of giving the people those platforms did not mean that Fox itself was endorsing those claims. That they were just covering the news and this is part of news gathering. Right, exactly. So they, they were sort of standing behind the journalistic prerogative to report the news, even if the accusations being made in the news are not true. And Dominion has made the argument that um, there was a business motive for Fox to do this. That Fox feared that it was going to be losing its audience that loved Trump to more conservative networks. Um, like Newsmax and One America. And there's ample evidence in the documents that Dominion has put out that Fox executives did actually get concerned that it was losing Trump, the support of Trump's audience, and that there was some ratings movement away from Fox toward Newsmax. And so there was a clear business imperative 
as far as Dominion is concerned, to basically try to give a platform to these conspiracies because that's what they knew that the Trump-supporting audience wanted to hear and they didn't want to lose them. Why were they freaked out about losing them? There were three big factors. The first was the presidential debate moderated by Chris Wallace, which some conservatives felt was um, particularly hostile to Trump. That was the first strike. The second strike was Fox calling the state of Arizona for Joe Biden on election night, November 3rd. And that was a big call, a very instrumental call in the election. And it sort of um, telegraphed that Donald Trump was probably going to lose the election. As the filing showed that we got yesterday, Jared Kushner personally called Rupert Murdoch and pleaded with him to change the results. And we know from the filing yesterday that Fox executives actually discussed whether they should revoke the call. But they ended up standing behind the mm. call. And Rupert Murdoch told Jared Kushner, the numbers are the numbers and we're not going to change it. So though, that was a big um, moment in terms of the Trump supporting pushback to Fox. And um, they did see some viewers leave the network after that call. But Fox never you know, recanted the call. The other factor was some of the comments that were made by Fox journalists um, regarding the election fraud claims themselves. Um, some of the decisions that were made by anchors and reporters to essentially disregard the claims or to do so in a way that some Fox executives thought was a bit too dismissive of what Trump's um, campaign was saying mm. and basically was sort of poking the finger in the eye of the Trump-supporting audience. So... As you know, Jeremy, when I'm not hosting Post Reports, I'm also covering media alongside you. I covered a defamation uh, lawsuit against the New York Times. And these sorts of cases in the United States, they are hard for, you know, people who are bringing allegations against news companies to, to win. They have First Amendment protections. Can you walk us through what needs to be proven to win a defamation case? Why is it difficult? And what's your read on this case? So Dominion has to prove that Fox acted with, quote, actual malice. They have to prove that the people who are responsible for the statements on Fox either knew that they were false or recklessly disregarded the truth about whether it was what they were saying was true or not. Um, and so that's a fairly high bar to meet because Dominion has to have evidence that the Fox hosts and the executives that oversaw them basically knew that they were putting out conspiracy theories, so they were giving a platform to conspiracy theories. And that's what Dominion has tried to prove through mm -hmm. these deposition interviews with Fox hosts. They've tried to prove that by finding texts and emails that have evidence that people like Rupert Murdoch, executives like Jay Wallace or Suzanne Scott or Lachlan Murdoch, that these people knew or, or should have known that the statements that were being made on their network were not true. Can you sort of walk me through how we're learning about all of this? Like, how how exactly did the process of them filing this lawsuit turn up all of these, you know, shocking revelations that we're hearing about? And, and what are some of the, the big ones that stood out to you? In a lawsuit like this, both sides have a right to discovery where um, they can essentially get emails, text messages, logs that are relevant to the case. And so Dominion was able to obtain thousands and thousands of pages of documents at Fox, internal correspondence, memorandums. They were also to, able to obtain text messages between Fox hosts. They got a text chain between Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, and Laura Ingram. They got emails between Rupert Murdoch and his son. 
they were also able to take dozens of these in-person and virtual depositions where they were able to ask questions. It's very unusual to get these kind of details and these kinds of sort of off-the-cuff remarks. We don't get internal communications from media companies. It would make the job of being a media reporter very easy yeah. if we could have access to Rupert Murdoch's private emails and texts. Yeah. And so this lawsuit has essentially sort of lifted the curtain on the entire network. It has lifted the curtain on what people actually believe versus what they say on TV. We heard Sean Hannity say that he didn't believe for one second what Sidney Powell was saying about the election being stolen by Dominion. If you had watched his show, which I have many times, you would have believed that he thought that these were genuine allegations or that, you know, if he didn't believe that they were true, he wouldn't have Sidney Powell on his show, which he did. Let me ask you, and I asked you about this on the radio show today. I've gone over everything I've been able to find out. Nobody liked Dominion voting systems. Nobody. The professor, the three Democrats, the state of Texas, they had problems in Georgia, the New York Times, the AP. Why we would use a system that everybody agreed sucked or had problems is beyond me. And I asked you today, you said to me that there were people watching an internet connection in real time, but they can't speak publicly and haven't signed affidavits to that. Why? Well, there are a number of reasons. Uh, so Hearing Tucker Carlson also say that he didn't believe the allegations that Rupert Murdoch thought that there was no impropriety with the election. That's somewhat surprising when you when you consider what was aired on the network. Rupert Murdoch is the uh, chair of Fox Corp, which is the parent company of Fox News, co-founder of Fox News, one of the most influential media executives in history, um, someone who also is very hands-on with the journalism of Fox. Also said yesterday in this new filing that I would have liked for us to be stronger in denouncing the claims. Um, and basically also acknowledged the big headline yesterday was him saying that, him agreeing that some Fox hosts, quote, endorsed the claims, mentioning Janine Pirro, Lou Dobbs, who no longer works there, and Sean Hannity. So him essentially acknowledging that he didn't believe the claims, but also acknowledging that his hosts um, endorsed the claims, and that gets to the very center of what Dominion has argued. And we know that Rupert Murdoch and his son Lachlan Murdoch you know, exercise some control over the network. It's their company. Um, it's their legacy. It's their family's business. And um, they're proud of what's on the network, and they stand behind what's on the network. And Rupert Murdoch was asked, you know, could you have stopped certain hosts from bringing on guests? Could you have stopped um, people like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell from appearing? Rupert Murdoch said, I could have, but I didn't. Hmm. Um, which is acknowledging that, you know, there were different choices he could have made. He can send an email and a guest is not going to appear again on the mm -hmm. network. That's the way it works at Fox. After the break, what legal experts have to say about Dominion's chances at winning this case. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.
What did the filings tell us about how people internally at the network were feeling about, you know, a drop in ratings and the competition from the right and, and you know, the anger that Trump was expressing toward Fox? The, the emails um, that Dominion has on Earth showed conclusively that executives at Fox and Fox Corp were concerned that they were losing audience to Newsmax, that, you know, they— People like Jay Wallace, who is the president of the network, and Lachlan Murdoch, and Suzanne Scott, who is the chief executive of the network, all expressed concern internally. New- Newsmax was showing strength, Newsmax being a sort of more to the right version of Fox News. And these executives at Fox were knowledgeable that, in their opinion, Newsmax had even, after Fox called the state of Arizona for Joe Biden, um, there was some desire to slow down on future calls. Mm. And so on Saturday, November 7th, when Fox eventually called the election for Biden, they were not the first to do so. Right. Which Rupert Murdoch acknowledged to Lachlan Murdoch, his son. And Rupert Murdoch said, we should and could have gone first, but at least being second saves us a Trump explosion. Mm, so they acknowledged that there was, you know, something bigger at play that, and that they wanted to avoid this, quote, Trump explosion. They acknowledged that they were balancing their desire mm. to be first, which is sort of Fox's mantra, cable news mantra is to be first. Any, yeah, any cable news network, right? Right, with their desire to avoid a Trump explosion. Mm. And this this is, Rupert Murdoch used the phrase, straddle the line um, between trying to essentially not report f- falsehoods about the election and not to report claims that are not true, but also not to um, upset the Trump-supporting audience and to protect the business prerogative of the network. What does Fox say about what's been revealed in these filings? They've said that Dominion has, quote, cherry-picked quotes and texts and emails. And there's no doubt that these um, emails and quotes um, and depositions are getting a lot of media attention. They have generated the headlines that Fox says Dominion tried to generate. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately, this will be a legal argument that Fox is not responsible for the veracity of the claims because they were being made by people who were in the news and connected to Trump. And that ultimately Dominion, as far as they're concerned, cannot prove actual malice because they don't have convincing evidence that Mm. the people responsible for the statements themselves knew they were false. And so what do legal experts say about Dominion's chances here? I think legal experts were blown away by Dominion's initial filing on February 16th, where they included all this evidence that Fox executives and hosts knew that the claims were not true. I think that was a pretty stunning amount of quotes. They were they were pretty unanimous, the ones we spoke to, in thinking that um, the revelations that have come out of these filings um, strongly helped Dominion and make it very hard for Fox to credibly claim that they didn't know that these um, allegations were not true. And so it'll still be up to a jury to eventually decide this case Mm. if it gets to that level. Um, But I think the legal experts were dumbstruck by the sheer amount of discovery and the the very relevant quotes um, from these internal messages that showed some element of knowledge that the claims were not true. So what's next with this case? Where will it go to trial? What are you going to be looking for? So this case has been going on for several years now. We're getting closer and closer to the trial stage of the case. So all along, I think media observers expected that Fox would want to settle this case because of the possibility they would kind of reveal the inner workings of a network like Fox. Um, at many points, we thought that might happen, but we are now 
a few months away from a potential trial. And the sources I've talked to believe that there's really no chance this case will be settled. I might look bad if it gets settled tomorrow. But <laughs> never say never. <laughs> people close to the case say it's going to go to trial. Mm. We're at sort of one of the last steps, which is this process of summary judgment where both sides are making kind of their last best ditch effort to avoid a trial and have the judge rule in their favor. Hmm. There will be hearing in which these motions are discussed. The judge will eventually make a ruling on summary judgment and basically decide whether the case will reach the next step, which would be a trial, or whether he will decide that um, that there is no dispute over the evidence and that one side has clearly won hmm. the case. And so assuming that the judge allows it to continue and to sort of rule against both parties' motion for summary judgment, um, or the judge could also limit the scope of the case. That would be another option. Um, if the judge allows the case to move to the next step, that would be a trial that would begin in Delaware on April 17th, and that would be a five- or six-week trial. That would be a pretty incredible scene where you'd have Fox executives and hosts coming down from New York basically to be interviewed on the stand in front of a, a live pool of jurors. Mm. What are the stakes here with the outcome of, of how this case shakes out when we're thinking of the broader media landscape? I think Fox is arguing that this case calls into question the entire idea of reporting and mm. journalism. Fox believes that Dominion wants to undercut the notion that you're not responsible for the veracity of a newsworthy claim, that if a president says something and you report it, and the network itself can be responsible if that comment was defamatory. So they believe the entire notion of journalism is on the table. Dominion feels that it's more narrow than that. Dominion feels that they are fighting over the fact that they believe they were defamed on a cable news channel. They are arguing that there should always be legal precedent that you are not allowed to say things about a company that are not true. You are not allowed to damage a company's business prospects by things saying things that are not true if you had some knowledge that they were not true, or if somebody in the chain of command at the network that broadcast those comments knew they were not true. This is a massive case in terms of the amount of money that is being demanded. It doesn't mean that Fox would go bankrupt. It certainly would not go bankrupt, but it's a large amount of money. But there's also this larger symbolic meaning about whether media companies are responsible for what people say on their platforms and whether media companies have a responsibility to essentially um, vet those claims beforehand or to allow people to say things um, that end up not being true. Jeremy Barr is a media reporter for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Sabi Robinson with help from Arjun Singh. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. Before you go, I wanted to tell you that you can listen to Washington Post podcasts like Post Reports and The Seven ad-free on Amazon Music if you have a Prime membership. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss any episodes. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. 
Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.